Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are here to talk about the DC Comics being released on December uh, 7th, 2021, starting with Batman number 118. This is the first issue of the post-James Tiny Batman world, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Jorge Molina. Vincey, why don't you kick us off with this one? Oh, I, I can't tell you how relieved I was to see one of four uh, on the the ARC subtitle for this one. Um, and that's all I have to say about it. I'm just happy this is a four issue <laughs> ARC. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, should we get this out of the way right away? This is really not what I want a Batman book to look like visually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like we said about uh, Federici on last week's um, Batman Fear State Alpha or Omega, rather, this is another poor man's Ben Oliver. I think that this is maybe like Ben Oliver crossed with Jorge Jimenez, though. And maybe it's just the colors. I think it's just the colors. I don't see much in the actual art there. I think some of the... The... um, the posing is similar as well. I could um, say that that when the coloring is flatter and that happens towards the end of the issue, there's like a there's a kind of a flashback where Bruce is bl- reflecting on what happens other times at the end of like an arc. It shows him like I see what yeah I know celebrating what... with Catwoman and like uh-huh. patting Bruce on the shoulder. That that stuff looks good to me that looks fine um so i do think the color does play a a role here um but yeah i'm not getting i'm not getting the jimenez in the parts that are actually you know what it's closer to it's closer to um uh clay man okay okay I can see that. You know what's you know what's funny though? When I was reading this issue, um uh because his name is not on the cover, and I don't believe was solicited, but you'll notice that at the end the artists are Jorge Molina and Michael Jenin. Oh. You didn't notice that? I didn't notice that. And I, there were actually a few pages that I thought like, oh, this looks a little Janine like as well. <laughs> so a, that makes sense. Absolutely. There's there's an issue to, that, or there's a p- couple pages towards the end when uh, the Bruce Batman is in stuff, right? When Bruce is in Badnesia mm-hmm. and there's that detective Keha there where I was like, oh, my God, this almost looks like a particularly bad Janine right now. And then sure enough, I get to the end of the book and it is. <laughs> I thought it was a bad Jenin impression, but no, it's I, just uh, like lesser work of his his own. <laughs> you are you are probably right that those are that those are the Janin pages. The thing that actually made me most think that though was the Joker at the party reminded yes. me of War and Joker, yes. War of Jokes and Riddles Joker. Oh. Sure, um, but I think that's but that Molina. might be that might be Molina though. Yeah. So I think Molina's art is almost like a not great Janin, also. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It it just looks like it's like it looks like it's characters drawn over models. Or like there's a lot, there's like there's like modeling or posing going on, you know? And I just I never like that in comics. Um I um I know when we had first gotten the review copy and I looked at it and I I had kind of poo-pooed on the art really quickly. When I read it, I liked it better. I there's still I think the thing that caught me off guard initially were the faces. And because they're a little too photorealistic in some cases. Um, mm-hmm. like like it looks like they're being modeled after someone. Uh, that didn't bother me quite as much this time. I, I didn't love the art, but I also didn't hate it. I, I think it works. I think it works for a Batman book. It, it's not the best, but it works. Mm. Yeah, th- this could have been worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I just I really like that one page I was talking about earlier that has the flat flatter colors. And so I, I wish the whole book looked like that. If the whole book looked like that, we're cooking with gas, I think. But for some reason, it doesn't. And actually, the fact that it's the same artist, but the work looks so wildly different sometimes, depending on what part of the issue you're reading. That's a problem for me because it, it only makes me think I, I want I want the Jorge Molina that's drawing this. Right. You know, <laughs> Um. Or maybe I'm crazy and it's really not that different, but it sure felt like it. The presentation is different, whether or not that's um, due to the colors or the right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Okay. That said, I like a lot of what the story is doing. Especially once we get to the Batman Inc. stuff that by far is the most interesting. It's, it's almost setting up like a, like a, a Tom King esque murder mystery. (laughs) Um, but not overwritten as all hell or underwritten would, you know, depending on how you feel about it. Um, am I wrong there? Like, I mean, uh, I don't want to say you're wrong, but I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why you'd put that name out into the world. <laughs> like there, there are lots of other writers who have done good murder mystery comics. You don't need to be <laughs> about Tom King is my point. It's just, it's the zeitgeist, I suppose. Sure. Um, no, I, I thought this was this was enjoyable. I think it's interesting to th- what I love about this is that Batman Inc. has been ignored for a long time now. Right. And this book kind of deals with that and shows that Batman wasn't really in charge of Batman Inc. for a while. And that's why certain things happened. Well, why did certain things happen? Well, because somebody knew was bankrolling it because Bruce Wayne can't afford it. Like, I think that all of that works together really well. Like that's a really well done. Um, it just it it just does everything you'd want that you'd want a story to do in both moving the plot forward, referencing the past, referencing the real life gap in there, and continuing picking up threads from the last couple of years of Batman stories while still doing something totally brand new. I really enjoyed this. It's Zach? um it it's a nice nod that he switches over to the Batman Inc. costume just to go <laughs> handle a Batman Inc. case. Yeah, um, I thought that was funny. <laughs> I hope they don't um, think I'm the the 
other Batman. <laughs> yeah. I'm the one who's in charge of Batman Inc. Um, it's also cool that Williamson is going to be taking the reins on Luther a little bit here, I guess, since he is a member of the totality and someone that we've not seen a lot in Infinite Frontier. Um, this is a dumb question. Um, but on that page where it's like, oh, Batman, you've been doing a lot of things lately. And there's a reference, I think, to like Justice League. And then there's that middle panel with that, with Dick and Bruce and another character. Who, who is that character? And what is that from? I uh, guess is my what, question. What, what page in our PDF is this? I'll pull it up. It is page 10. Okay. Hang on. Oh, that's, um, oh, the shoulder pads. Um, uh, it reminds me of like the evil Tim Drake from the future of like detective comics and rebirth. Um, but I don't think that's what that is. That seems way too far back. Isn't that flashpoint Batman? No, no. Flashpoint Batman has like a red circle on his oh, chest. Oh, you're right. You're right. I was looking at the red eyes. That's what was. I think that is Tim Drake Batman. Uh, like, what is that from? Hang on. Is that is that from Titan's Tech? That's what I'm I said. Lo- I'm looking it up right now. You 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 talk amongst yourselves. I also don't know what that like green alien mouth Batman thing is supposed to be referencing either. I think that's a that's... fear state. I I think that's like. Okay. Just the okay. you know the insanity of fear state. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting that they say that this was happening recently. Um, I mean, yeah, I just have no idea who that is or what that's supposed to be referencing. Maybe they are just condensing. Well, like you said <laughs> in in a previous show, Zach, uh, they're trying to pretend like ten years in there didn't happen. And so they are just literally condensing all that stuff into this happened in the last few months. That's that's Maybe. really strange. That's really strange. I cannot it's... find a good picture of that future Tim Drake Batman. Uh oh no, no, here he is. I'm the Tim Drake of tomorrow. But he doesn't have the red eyes. Uh The only thing I can think of that maybe it would be is, is there something that's happened in a book that we haven't read? Like, is this? No, no, we read everything. Ben uh, reads your... everything. I was gonna say, speak for yourself, bud. I mean, we don't read everything, but like, we're aware enough of everything. Yeah, y- yeah, yeah. No, this Tim Drake doesn't. Well, wait a minute. Any readers Super. who have any idea what this is, tweet at us or or Josh Joshua Williamson. If you're listening, please uh, tell, tell us what this is. Super Sons number eleven, evil future Tim Drake Batman does have red eyes, but that that makes even less sense than Tinian's Tim Drake of the future. <laughs> well, that's the same Tim Drake. It is the same Tim Drake, but they're drawn differently. Their costumes are different. I think he gets a different costume. Okay. Wow, comics are stupid. What are we even doing? What are we doing with this dumb 
hobby of ours. Do I <laughs> do, do I dare send a message to our friend Mr. Williamson? I I would dare. I was like, what what is this? If and you why feel is it in here? if you feel comfortable enough to do that, uh, you know what? No, I because he and I are supposed to talk in a few weeks about this book. I will bring it up when I talk with him. Okay, on an okay. interview for this very podcast. So okay, yeah, yeah. Zach, I'm, he got a new costume, but it's he became savior. That's, you know, yeah. What did uh, what did that costume even look like? I don't. It, it has red. Guys, it has... I, I I don't mean to be the buzzkill here. We did a almost two hour show, <laughs> and I have to I have to go to bed soon. So let's 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 move on from this. Oh costume. wow, hmm, no one's ever done this before. <laughs> He's wearing Spawn's cape, and he has. Oh, like, you're he does... right. He yeah. looks ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, Brad. Okay. Let's 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 go. Let's go. Gila douche. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for getting that. <laughs> so, um, see, what's right going to be... Are, Ken. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I say that let's go all the time to my kids. They have no idea what I'm talking about. It makes me laugh every single time I say it. Um, so, I, I really do like uh, what Williamson is doing here. I will say that this first issue... It doesn't really get to the meat of what's happening here until the end of the issue. But I think this is a really good job of sort of if people had checked out on Tynan's run, this allows them a pretty easy jumping on place. But it also feels like we said before connected enough to what came before that it's not it's not, you know, um, it doesn't feel like just, just regurgitating stuff. I also like that, you know, Dick and Babs are inviting Bruce over for breakfast he doesn't take the invitation, but this just feels like a this feels like a Batman status quo. I, I want to hang out in for a little while. I just don't want this art necessarily to be part of it. Yeah, Zach, this is also the issue I was talking about with the ghost hunter, uh, ghost maker, clown hunter lip service bit where. Yeah, but it's it's only just in that annual. That's like the end of that story. No, um, no, it's this. It's there's a panel in here where it yeah, shows. I, Bab I says know, to him, says, "Why don't you go train with Ghost Hunter?" I know, and, and it says, "It says Ghost go Maker. read that annual." There's yeah, but they don't. No, 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 that, no, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. he says he left town to begin Clowner's training, and then it says, "See Batman annual for Ghost Maker's last adventure in Gotham City." So it does point you uh, okay. to where they're going after. But, this. but I mean, yeah, that they're going to fuck off to their own planet. Like yeah, no one but, has to deal with them again. But what I'm saying is. Williamson makes sure to reference that and references essentially nothing else that happens. What you know what mean? I'm saying? I'm saying Williamson purposely. I, I don't feel, I don't feel like this helps your case. I feel like it helps my case in, well, I, in, I remembered, I was like refer thinking about this issue when I brought that up. Well, you didn't say it. Um, Cause I in, didn't want to spoil it. <laughs> I mean, I'm going, what are you talking about? Because um, I didn't know what you're talking about because I read this issue I'm playing too Minotaur, and I supported my theory. Okay, okay. But what I'm saying is com comic writers do these things with um, for specific reasons, right? And what I'm saying is Williamson references nothing else that comes out of Tynion's Batman, essentially, other than that fear state is over but specifically manages to find a, a way to put Ghostmaker on panel in this. I think that's just to get people to buy Batman annual number one. They, they have tons of other reasons to buy Batman annual. 
uh, it doesn't need to be in here. Like the fact that it has Batman on the fucking cover. Like that's all it Mm. takes. Uh, You don't need to point readers towards Batman annual. Like to to me, what I'm saying is like, I get, I get what you're saying. I just disagree. All right, fine. I I feel like this is just shuffling them off both of them out the door so that we never have to see them again. But they already did that in the annual or in the, in the Omega issue, I should say. I don't know. I don't think they did it in the Omega issue. And just like they did with Simon Saint and the gardener and everybody else, but none of them get panel space in Williamson's first issue of this. uh, So why does Ghostmaker? I have I to think. Know. I have to think someone's got plans for him that they don't have for Simon Saint Gardner. And but all. they do have plans for Simon Saint. He's I don't be believe adjust- he's going to be in Suicide Squad. You don't I know feel that. Like that's a more. I feel like that's a bigger. Like that's a clear mark of where he's going to be seen next. Like where are we going to see Clown Hunter next? I think it's much more likely that that was just a way to show that Simon Saint's technology is going to the quote-unquote top men of the dcu then it think is he's the... gonna be in this book then who it, either of these guys clown hunter or Ghostmaker. not in this book i'm just saying there's i'm saying well then there's why more would it be immediate in this plans book, then? because there's more immediate plans for for him than there is for like gardner or simon saint mm. somewhere can we start talking about the comic there at hand again so I can put my guitar away? Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. I this is what they come for, Brian. I'm tired too. <laughs> we I'm just had tired. this argument. We just had this argument two hours ago. People heard it last week and now we're really getting in the past here. Anyway. I'm not I'm not tired. I'm I'm staying. I'm drinking my coffee. Come Calmer you are, than dude. you are. <laughs> All right. I'm laughing actually. <laughs> Let's go. I'll get you a toe. I'll get you a toe by 3 p.m. All right. Uh, anything else to say about this issue? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's dope that Lex Luthor is part of this. Yeah. Okay. Up next, <laughs> we have um, the uh, what's next here? One Star Squadron. It, yeah, it, it just jumps big alphabetically, so that's why I was confused here. Uh, one Star Squadron number one, written by Mark Russell, illustrated by Steve Lieber. Um. I'll save you a lot of time. I don't have anything to say about this book. <laughs> I, I I very much enjoyed this book. This is exactly what you think. It's, there's nothing surprising in this book. Like this is just this is what Mark Russell does at DC, right? He does stuff that is funny, that has some heart, that brings these like small characters to the forefront, and that's about it. Uh, I, I'm a big Gangbuster fan from back in my '90s Superman era, so I liked seeing him show up, but. You know, I I enjoyed this. I thought this was this was more or less a uh, exactly what I expected it to be and what I wanted it to be. Zach has something to say. Vince, what do you think? Well, you know me. When we talked about the um, Mark Ru- the bizarre Mark Russell Future State series, yes, I said I was kind of done with with the Mark Russell thing. Um, not entirely because I think he's a very talented writer and like. Um, you know, second coming was something I enjoyed quite a bit over at Ahoy. Um, but as far as the, the superhero Mark Russell thing in the conventional sense, in the DC comics sense, 
I, I kind of was done with that because it's it it really is kind of the same joke or this or similar social commentary every time it happens. And I would say that the same is true about maybe the first half of this comic. I think it's a lot of the typical uh oh, what if what if we saw superheroes doing something very unheroic and topical? Right. So they're getting involved in apps. They're working these gig economy jobs, um, doing like freelance security work and on apps that look a lot like Tinder, you know, like, isn't this so funny? You know, some of it lands the I will say that like the photo of Black Condor shirtless holding up a fish. Yes. On that app is like yeah. like the holding up of the fish. I don't know whether that's. um whether that's uh, Lieber or Russell who wrote that little bit in, but that is such a nice touch for like people who spend way too much time on social media because you immediately know what that is. <laughs> you know, you've seen that exact image so many times before. Um, but really, you know, like heroes for you. Okay. Is that supposed to be funny? Like, Oh, it's funny. Cause it sounds like a, like what, you know, like a, a bad tech startup. Um, that joke doesn't really work on me anymore. But what I will say is that the, the back half of this issue really has some like crazy good heartfelt stuff with Gangbuster. Some of that stuff is really heartbreaking, especially the, the like turn at the end mm -hmm. when they find his home. He's, he's got some kind of amnesia or something. P PTSD mixed with uh, CTE probably. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and they find his home and uh, he's rejected there. Essentially red tornado is told, no, we don't know who this guy is. We're, we're new homeowners here. We'll try to get you. We'll try to get you in touch with the old ones and no, it's his family. So you know, it's just unbelievably gut-wrenching. And Zach, the other episode when you were talking about um, some of the stuff you're supposed to feel at the end of Tynion's Batman, that, or maybe Brian was talking about it and you were talking about how it maybe wasn't earned, like you were supposed to feel a certain way and you knew that, but it didn't really earn it. This comic made me feel like sad. <laughs> And it was trying to, and I think it really earns it. Um, it, it, it wants you to empathize with gangbuster of all people. And it really does end up doing that. Um, I, I agree with you on the, the gangbuster stuff. I will say that's probably the part of the comic that works the best. I don't care for the red tornado stuff. It's, it's fine. It, this this comic is like bordering on like Tom King territory for me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yep. I I don't like the I don't love the way Red Tornado is like written and presented. I really don't like the way Power Girl is used here, especially since she's not being used very much in in DCU proper and hasn't for a while. I, I, I think that this um, is supposed to be clearly out of continuity, though. I know it is, but like yeah. this is the only Power Girl we've gotten for some time, you know. Sure, is what I'm saying. Um, not not saying that this is like 
real power girl or or whatever but it's just not the best to me and um yeah i don't i don't love the concept i I feel like i am i think i liked the future state mark russell thing better than you guys did but i also think we are kind of getting diminishing returns on mark russell's dc work um compared to you know his earlier stuff and i i still do think he is like a very good writer i too really liked second coming and and have liked some other stuff that he's done i just i just don't i didn't like this all that much i didn't think very highly of it Mm -hmm. i think part of the reason i enjoyed this as much as i did is i haven't read a mark russell comic probably since the end of second coming I haven't even read the second volume of that yet. Um, so it's been, it's been. I think the last one I read was probably that uh, future state issue or issues that was weird and clearly not a future state thing that was just shoehorned into future state. So I, I guess I, I'm, I'm not feeling the burnout here the way that you guys maybe are. Um, I'll also say that I just I have a, a lot of affinity for characters like Black Condor and Red Tornado and Gangbuster. They, those are those are characters I, I do have positive memories of and i'm glad to see them being used in some way whether you know this is not maybe the ideal use for them but i thought it was a pretty good one and the big thing for me though the difference here is that steve lieber drew this oh yeah and you know i will i will look at steve lieber draw anything all day long so the combination of you know it being clever-ish looking beautiful and then having that back half that really is pretty devastating i enjoyed this um I recognize what you're saying, Zach, and I don't think you're wrong, but I think my tolerance for this was just a little bit higher than yours for whatever reason. Sure. Yeah. The the, car- the Libra cartooning is just fantastic as ever. That's a lot. There's a lot of subtle emotional work in that second half that he does. Um, it recalls like, well, I mean, Libra's, Libra's good enough on his own to not really need the comparison, but like I was again reminded of like, indie comics that you would see like from you know Jaime Hernandez or something like that you know like just some of these emotions and some of them subtle and some not so subtle but yeah man that gangbuster stuff is really heartbreaking um just a couple more things I wanted to say really quickly um I think I don't know how you guys feel about this, but something rubs me the wrong way. Uh, Zach mentioned it with power girl, but also like, like red tornado, red tornado was a respected pivotal DC character for like a good chunk of the eighties. I want to, I want to say, and you know, like I, I, I think it rubs me a little bit wrong that, sometimes these like quote unquote loser hero teams include characters that were like actually (laughs) like mainstream and respected characters that were used for like kind of major roles in the DCU. Am I, am I wrong about red tornado? Like, so so I I think you're overstating red tornado's importance in the (laughs) eighties and nineties for sure. The reason I think this works is that Red Tornado in the like late late 90s, early aughts was like the handler of Young Justice. Yeah. But this kind of seems like another gig he would get because 
of that gig, right? Like, uh, yeah, I guess. But I also think there's more going on here than we think was the end of that the end of that issue with Power Girl sort of trying to pull a power play. I uh-huh. wonder if there's going to be something about that. Yeah, like, there'll be there'll be a script flipped, I'm sure, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think part of the problem, and, and this is just, a, again, it's the way that comics are these days, that there aren't that there aren't serious monthly books for characters like Red Tornado to thrive in anymore. They become jokes, and this book almost highlights that. Like, even poor Power Girl, like, again, Power Girl, major character in DC history, and it's like, Oh, she's relegated relegated to a book like this, you know, where, where she's being like swindled or like brought into like a Maxwell Lord cult of <laughs> self help book thing, you, like Jordan she's Peterson. reading Jordan Peterson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's what I thought when I read this, and that is part of what rubbed me wrong about her. But see again, but yeah. but see again like Maxwell Lord brainwashes people right like, that's literally what he does and yeah, that's what he's but, doing but like, here. not through books <laughs> no, but, but like that's but his also, new thing yeah <laughs> i guess but also so. like, power girl as a, like an entrepreneur is a well-established dc thing as well yeah yeah it's just so I don't know. again I, to me i it's funny if you had asked me before the show tonight like which of the three of you is going to be coolest with classic dc characters being used in in an unconventional way, I would thought I would think that I would be the the lowest <laughs> on this book, like for sure. And I'm definitely not. I'm not one of those guys who goes on social media and is like they're disrespecting the history of Red Tornado. How dare right. they? I all I'm saying I'm not like offended by this book. What I'm saying is it's kind of a shame that all these colorful and interesting. Oh yes, former DC side characters get relegated. I'm glad they're here at all. Uh, don't get me wrong, I am. But I, I just look at Red Tornado and I'm like, man, you used to actually be in books, you know. See, to me, like this goes back to my complaint about the Detective Comics Annual from last week, where I felt like that wasn't that wasn't representing like modern Bruce, right? But I feel like the difference between that and this is that there isn't modern Red Tornado for me to say, like, this is not representing that well because we haven't seen that character in so long. Yeah. So, OK, yeah. sure. But but regardless, you know, it's get, get one more in on that. Sure. OK, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. you guys can can spend 20 minutes talking about shit from last week. I bring up one thing on the back. We I, were at, this was actually talking about stuff from this week because it was in one of this week's books. Let's take a break. We gotta quit recording these back to back. (laughs) Let's take a break. And we come back, we're gonna talk about the swamp thing and world of Krypton. So stay tuned. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at multiversitycomics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinbro, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe 
subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow on iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. <laughs> I love you guys. I love you too. We're back. Uh, talking about the Swamp Thing number 10, written by Rom V, illustrated by Mike Perkins. So I did a, a brief catch up on the Swamp Thing this week. I did not go back and reread the whole thing, but I sort of paged through a bunch of it. And uh, I, I'm really impressed with how much how much Rom V has taken, has put into the character that feels totally new, but also feels like a continuation of so many great Swamp Thing runs, which each one tends to like recontextualize the entire history of the character. Like the most obvious one of this is the Alan Moore run, right? Where it completely recontextualizes who Swamp Thing is. But there's a number of runs like in the 90s, the Vertigo series kind of does a similar thing where and even even to a certain degree, like Scott Snyder and Charles Soule's book from the New 52, each of these titles. I think Swamp Thing is a character that for whatever reason allows reinvention really well within the within it. And so I think that through these first 10 issues, which was supposed to be a standalone series, but has now been extended an additional six issues, I think you get a pretty complete new version of the Swamp Thing character, but there's still Alec Holland, there's still Woodrow. There's enough here to hold on to for fans of the older iteration, but I really hope that we get more of this. What was that? Sorry, that was my That's phone. That's right. uh, you're doing some daily fantasy stuff. I get it. No, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a really interesting comic. I wish that there wasn't the Suicide Squad chunk in the middle of it because they just kind of suck the fun out of everything. But I thought that this issue in particular was really good. The I really Suicide liked... Squad was in this book? Yeah. It's the issue is like... They? Six, seven, and eight. Peacemaker. I thought you meant of this issue. Sorry. No, no, no. no. Okay. No, I, I, meant, I was like, no, I, meant I understand. I understand. Yeah. Well, okay. Like, gotcha. I feel like the last two issues, nine and ten, really sort of bring it back to what the book started as. Mm-hmm. And I think that Levi and his brother are compelling characters. And we have been harsh on Mike Perkins in the past, but I think Mike Perkins on this book is an amazing fit. So. I, I, I really enjoyed the ride for these first 10 issues. Zach, what did you think? Um, well, I'll admit I have not read all 10 issues. I uh, need to catch up on that eventually. Uh, that's part of my Rom B catch up 2022 uh, New Year's resolution. Um, and I'm holding you to that, King. Yeah, I mean, I can do it. This this issue, though, like, um, I, I definitely agree with you on the Perkins art it's kind of funny, like coming into this, this is like issue 10 of a series, part two of a like story arc. But I just like jumped in and I got it, you know, and it was compelling. I think like Levi is an interesting, you know, new swamp thing. Um, it, it It's like, you know, everything you need to know about swamp thing, but it's also nice that it's not Alec Holland again. Um, and I especially liked that bit where he kind of like goes into the green or, you know, taps into the green and is like conversing with this like embodiment of, of like previous avatars. And that whole sequence was like very satisfying. And, and again, we kind of talk about like books making you feel an emotion. Um, and, and this is a case where like I felt it and I felt like it was earned. Um, 
I felt like the 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 reveal of um, Floronic Man um, Woodrow uh, was was very good and satisfying. Um, even more so because I had just read the uh, the Gardner one shot that you guys should still go back and read because it was good. Um, and yeah, I liked this a lot. I'm glad that it's getting more issues, and I I do really want to go back and read more of this because it's it feels like a very fresh and interesting take on Swamp Thing, who has kind of been overused to the point of being a little uninteresting at DC, I think, over the last 10 years. Um, so yeah, that's what I have to say. Vince? Yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I think, so I did skip the last few issues. Um, I basically, when the, the issue after the Suicide Squad showed up, I think was maybe the last one I read. And then I saw a lot of people on social media saying like, oh, this run is this run is up there with Alan Moore's. It's really it's amazingly underrated. It's one of the best one of the best books DC is putting out or has put out in the last five years, whatever. But lots of like superlatives thrown at this. And then I read this issue and I thought like, no, it's good. Like it's a good Swamp Thing story, but I, it's not doing anything outside the, the bounds of your average solid Swamp Thing story. Like, I don't see what it's doing to the mythology or, or with this character that is so different or innovative. It's just really solid storytelling and really solid visual Swamp Thing storytelling. Um, I think you're underselling it a bit um i don't know i mean what like at the end of the day it's a it's a swamp thing versus um versus an evil uh science organization trying to kill him and that's pretty much it i think it's more about the development of levi as a character than it is about the like evil scientist trying to kill him thing I, I don't even, I don't even really see that. I don't. Man, we're all so contrarian tonight. I can't wait to talk about the last book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't see what people are talking about when they talk about it as, as something transcendent. Um, um, but that's, that's fine. That's fine. It's, it's really good. It's very solid. It looks great. The the story we weaves with the art very well. The the stuff when yeah, the, like that Zach mentioned when he uh, goes into the green and sees Father John Misty and um <laughs> yeah, and then is like reborn again and spits out his brother. Yeah, that's that's all great and it looks great and it's very well conceptualized. Um, and I, I like that there is a different avatar and it's, it's a different person, but I, I don't think unless I really missed something with the last issue, like I don't see the work that is done to make that human character that interesting. So there's a, there's a lot with him and his brother in the last couple issues that I think is really good. Okay. 
Well. But, you know, you, you do you. Yeah. Uh, unlike Zach, I probably will not go back and read that. Yeah. But Zach definitely will, or he owes me money. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, all my DC NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> your uh, your bored congorillas. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's talk about our final book of the week, which is World of Krypton, number one, written by your friend and mine, Robert Venditti, illustrated by the person I think I'm the only one who's a fan of. Michael Avon Oming. I like Oming. Okay, I feel like I feel like you guys are always down on Oming on the show. No, Ben's not. I like That's Oming. Me. Okay. Well, Zach, what did you think of this issue? You really, you really know your cast members quite well tonight. <laughs> Vincent, whatever your middle name is. <laughs> I like. Uh, I okay. So this book. Um, it's funny. I actually just read the uh, John Byrne, Mike Mignola World of Krypton for the first time a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not know why this book exists. Number one, <laughs> there is no point. Um, but it looks really good. The Oming art is fantastic, I think. And I, I mean, I just like, I like Krypton stuff. Krypton is cool. I, I feel like you need a new Krypton book every decade or something. And that's probably why this exists. And maybe it'll do something interesting. I don't know. I, I, in the grand scheme of things, I feel like this will not matter at all, but it looks cool. The writing is fine. I'm here for it. Vince, I you already know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> say it. It's too fucked up. It's too raw. <laughs> Come on, say it. Uh, Kryptonian should wear no. Um, <laughs> I I don't like looking at this book at all. I I cannot. There's these like digital pattern overlays over everything. Um, the technology. Back- I cannot stand it. <laughs> um, the backgrounds are just littered with um, these like pre-rendered patterns um, that somebody, it seems like somebody is just picking them out of Photoshop and they stick out like a sore thumb. I cannot, I cannot help but notice them and they bother me so much. Um, if it's not just tons and tons of dots that, that are like Ben Day dots, but they're not, you know, they're like way more annoying somehow than that. Like they don't give it a retro feel. So I don't really know what they're doing. Um, but if it's not that, it's like these kind of like random ass patterns that I, I guess, I don't know if it's supposed to evoke advanced technology or something. <laughs> I, th- I but, think some of it is Kirby-esque a little bit. Oh, man, I don't. Kir- but Kirby, the thing about Kirby stuff is it's, it's, you know, aside from his collages, all that stuff is hand-drawn, you know? All that stuff is lovingly, like, hand-rendered, and you can tell. This is, there's a scene here, Rao, bless your niece, Jor-El. 
the background is just all these this like shitty photoshop pre-rendered digital like patterning behind for i i don't know i don't get it i don't get it okay. and I, I i see what you're talking about i guess i was talking i guess i was thinking of something <sighs> some of these other things where there's like where there's like angular like uh uh destiny engram looking things hanging out in the background <laughs> is that what you're talking about well, I was thinking more of like the the like costuming, like the overlays on the costuming and stuff. And um, you, you know what? That stuff, even though it is like pretty clearly digitally rendered and like repeating patterns, I, I would guess that stuff doesn't bother me so much because it's integrate like as part of the costume. I actually like the way some of that stuff's integrated. There's a guy wearing a robe here that has like swirly orange lines on it Mm -hmm. i think that looks cool so that that doesn't bother me it's all this background stuff that i cannot tell why it's there always you know seems like it's just there to fill space um but it it distracts me it's it distracts my eye and i just never like looking at it and then since cave carson has a cybernetic eye uh Michael Avon Oming has been doing all of this like sort of like holographic digital overlay stuff. Every comic that he does now has this in it where there's like green, green panels over somebody's face. Cause they're looking at like a hologram or something. And I always think that stuff looks really sloppy. Like I don't think any of it's particularly well done. Um, it's not clear. I just, I, I don't, I do not like looking at his art and it makes you feel bad to say that, but I will never, I will never get it. I guess. I'm about to say something that Vince gets so mad at. God. <laughs> it is something, something Kelly Jones. No, it's that I am not saying that these two artists are the same quality, but I'm going to say that their styles have a lot in common. And that is Michael Avon Oming and Riley Rosmo. I think there is a fair amount of connective tissue between the two. And I can understand not liking. I can understand liking one more than the other, but I can't imagine loving one and hating the other. Because to me, there is some DNA shared there. Zach, do you agree with that or no? I do agree with that. I, I almost even see like some Mignola in this as well. Oh, there's definitely some Mignola in this. Yes. And just because the characters look stubby doesn't mean it's. No, I think their expressions and the. <laughs> it's. It, I agree with the Rosmo too, as well, though. You yeah. guys are killing me. There's some DNA. It's Oming so is much. A good artist. It's so much less playful than Rosmo. And. Uh, Rosmos is all hand drawn. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think the digital effects are like. I can, I can agree that they can be distracting, but like, I don't, I don't think it like is bad that he uses digital effects. No, and I also think that this for his backgrounds. It's a two. It's a any anything is a tool that can be used poorly or well and it's used poorly i, I, I would mean, argue that it sets the scene well 
I would argue that for this book in particular, it sets the scene well. Yeah. It, it's a... Mm, it's not a particularly like inspired take on Kryptonian and t- technology, but it, it's very bright and vibrant. And the coloring, I think, does a lot of the heavy lifting. Yes. Who does the colors on this? Filardi. Filardi. It looks really good. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I think this is just a we will never agree. No, um, no we'll never agree on on Oming for sure. Um, so I have a couple of things to add here. This book does not have any reason to exist, obviously. Uh, I think if it was set a thousand years or even 50 years before this, when it wasn't about Jor-El, I'd be a lot more into it also. I just feel like every single story we hear on Krypton is about the same characters. And if you're going to do a book called World of Krypton, then you should have done it about someone that isn't Superman's dad. We've seen this story too many times before. Yeah. Yeah. Like, have either of you guys ever read the the other World of Krypton? The Years ago, yes. No, but I bet it looks great. It does look really good. I don't think it's... Magnolia, I think, only does breakdowns and someone else finishes i can't remember who the other artist is um but it still looks good it's really funky because it's four issues and like the first two issues are set like thousands of years in the past with this like descendant or you know, this ancestor of the house of l and then it like flash forwards to Jorel watching like hollow vids of that history and it like doesn't flow well and it's not very well paced, but it is like kind of interesting because it actually tries to do some like Kryptonian world building. Um, this doesn't do any of that. <laughs> um, it, it is just more House of L nonsense. That's not like innovative in any real way. Uh, I don't know if this crew. Cruel. That's the funniest fucking part of the book. It's cruel. Yeah. It's cruel. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I assume that's a new character. I've never. I don't recall them. Um, yeah. I wonder. Rick there Bryant, is part of me. Well, Rick Bryant does the finishes on. Okay. The old book Rick Bryant. Okay. <laughs> I, when I started this, um, I did kind of half wonder if it was Cruel is like, a character from the sixties. Really? Okay. Um, I kind of half wondered if this was going to tie into any of the like um, Thalosian stuff. Yes. I kind of don't think it will, though. No, I don't think so either. It's weird. Robert Venditti is a guy that has done some stuff at DC, like his Hawkman. I adored, thought it was great. But most of the stuff he does at DC just bores me. And uh, this is... This is exactly what I'm talking about when I say that he bores me. Isn't it? I, I kind of, I talked in a, one of our Patreon episodes that may or may not be out. I don't know uh, about, about how like Tony Bedard for a while was kind of like the go-to DC cosmic guy. And yes. now like Vin Didi has become that. He was like the one who picked up the mantle from Bedard, I think, because he, he did like Green Lantern and then he did Hawkman now he's doing a world of krypton book um and it's just like uh maybe past those reins i don't know 
Do you guys think that the reason this book exists is because there's a Krypton TV show? And even though this is not like a TV tie-in or, or even looks or feels anything like that show, like. Is there somebody... a Krypton TV show? That show well, was there canceled was. years ago. <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hang on. Who cares about TV? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> the show ended its original run on August 14th, 2019. So two years and change ago. Um, the DVD came out in 2020. <laughs> so I'm going <gonna> <laughs> to say it was a year ago. <laughs> and I don't sound as stupid then. <laughs> but, but uh, one, one does wonder why this exists that's all i'm trying to do is like well like, like zach said i do think every every 10 or 20 years you do get a book like this uh-huh that tries to tell a kryptonian story but again like it just do i don't think- I, I don't see the point of this at all sorry what was your question no no i was gonna say some bullshit doesn't matter um mr oz is gonna show up and do some time travel stuff. That is, is so it, funny. It's... What if this ends with fucking Rogelzar? <laughs> <laughs> and Bendis, like a cartoon Bendis flipping up the last page, like in down in the corner, like he's the Ain't genie thinker. From... Yeah, exactly. Like that's all, folks. <laughs> it's, it's the duck amuck. Of, yeah, uh, exactly. Of DC Comics. Yeah, exactly. I can't imagine this doing anything interesting. I will be floored if this has any like lasting contribution to the Superman mythology. Yeah. Because usually that is the purpose of this kind of book is like some kind of like retroactive continuity, you know, nonsense. But that's probably why they stashed this artist on this book. It's like yeah, no one's going to read or think about this again, right? No, that's not why it happened. Oh, okay. Man, look at you get defensive. Yeah. It, yeah. If anything, it's like Oming is a big enough artist to carry this to do a Krypton book. So he's like, all right, we'll give him a Krypton book. Right. I will also say all the digital stuff that you don't like, I'm pretty sure a lot of that was not there in his midnighter stuff i don't know i mean i just don't like the style either i'm I'm telling you i like i don't like his character work either to me there's nothing in the eyes ever um the like the expressions are no good i'm Um, uh happy to announce that once we finish our new 52 project the dc3 will be reading all of powers (laughs) (laughs) Each of us would hate that for a different reason. Yeah, yeah, right. I would love it, and then I would make a free crossover after that. <laughs> ah, you're a sicko. God, you're so sick. <laughs> Weird, your twisted little mind works. <laughs> and then, and then we could watch the the PlayStation. Exclusive powers. The PlayStation TV channels. Show. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Uh. Oh man. 
Well, folks, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, we're sorry. Especially, we're going to apologize for this episode, yes. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, what you're not is probably prepared for what books come out next week. Um, I'm just a click away. Hang on. I'm in the... Uh... I'm in the box. Um, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. No, I was just taking a while to load for some reason. Okay. Batgirls, number one. Uh, Batman, The Adventures Continue, season two, number seven. Batman, The Imposter, number three. Batman, Urban Legends, number 10. Black Manta, number four. Future State Gotham, number eight. Uh, Harley Quinn, the Eat Bang Kill Tour, number four. I am Batman, number four. Pennyworth, number five. Robin and Batman, number two. Teen Titans Academy, number nine. Uh, the Joker, number 10. Tis the Season to be Freezing, number one. Titans United, number four. Wonder Girl, number six. Wonder Woman, number 782. Do, do you enjoy the Eat Bang Kill Tour, Paul? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't do this tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and thank you guys. Thank you for listening. You can follow two thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an App. And I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is finding a way to remove Michael Avon Oming's artwork from Powers and replace it with, uh, I don't know, who's an artist you like that sucks? <laughs> I. And we've all we've established I don't have any problematic faves, so yeah. No, who's an artist that I that I like that sucks? Hang on. Um, I'm sure there's some. Can I can I think about that and get back to you next week? Sure. Absolutely. Can it be, can it be someone who's whose art is good, but they're a shit human being? <laughs> no, because we all have those. I know, I know. And there's obviously a one stock choice to use for that. Uh, I can think of a few. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say just one. <laughs> well, I feel like there's a big one. Who are you thinking of? I'm not gonna say. Oh, Cameron Stewart. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, folks. Go to dc3cast.com for our Patreon and more, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Oh, Vince, you had texted us, maybe it was even on Thanksgiving, saying that you had a a, a Neil Hamburger joke you were going to make about this week's comics. Oh. Oh, shit. I'm not going to remember what it is because I, I actually didn't have the notebook I was using on Thanksgiving to take these take the notes. Damn it. What was it? You said on Wednesday, I can't wait to spring a very specific Neil Hamburger joke and do during the next podcast. Zach said, I already don't get it. Vince said, correct. And Brian will never guess it until it happens. Oh, no. Yes, it was in reference. It was specifically in reference to something that was in one of the books. Oh, man. He's going to wake up in the middle of the night and say, flaming orbs of Sigmund. (laughs) 